sure is good to be here today. Definitely better than where we were last Sunday morning. Uh, <laughs> I got an amen from my wife. Uh, those of y'all don't know, we were in the ER uh, last Sunday, missing you all, but definitely where we needed to be. Um, and uh, thank you so much for your prayers, and thank you for taking the entire Sunday and praying for us, especially for my wife, uh, and uh, doing much better. We're here, so uh, thank you so much for your, for, for your love and your concern. Uh, y'all are so awesome. Uh, before we get started here, just two real quick things. If you missed the announcements, there are two major, major, major things happening, not, not next weekend, but the weekend after that on the 28th. We're having our uh, third edition of the Perfect Spouse Conference um, on Saturday morning from 10 to 2. Come here. Uh, we'll do, do marriage, uh, teach two things on marriage, have lunch together, just a chance to uh, j- just do things better, to, to, to hear things, to, uh, to enhance your marriage, or if you're engaged, to things that, that you can do to do marriage better um, and everything like that. The second, second thing is that on Sunday, if you've never taken Financial Peace University, uh, I highly recommend that. My wife and I have been doing the Dave Ramsey stuff for about 12 years now, and it's been amazing. And so uh, if you've never taken Financial Peace University, if you don't understand how to budget, if you're always wondering why there's so much month left over at the end of the money, there is a solution for it. And uh, the Ramsey system is fantastic. We teach it every year, and uh, it has just liberated so many people from financial uh, problems and everything. It's incredible. So those two things, really invest in your home this year. Do the Perfect Spouse Conference stuff. Do the Financial Peace University stuff. I cannot think of two better things you can do to get things better in your home according to God's will. So do that real quick. All right. So we are uh, starting our first series of the year called The Four Tactics of Spiritual Warfare. And the part one is today is discouragement. First tactic, discouragement. You don't have what it takes. That's what discouragement says. Discouragement says you don't have what it takes. And the main thing is today, Satan's first attack is to try to get you to leave the battlefield before you ever fight. Okay? That's his first tactic. If he can avoid a pitched battle by getting you to leave the battlefield before you even fight, he's won. So that's his first one, discouragement. Um, this year, guys, our, our theme for the year is focus. Focus means elimination. That means we eliminate the lesser to go after that which is better. And that's what the, the entire uh, year on Catalyst here is going to be about. It's about focus. We find out what it is that God wants us to do. And we are going to go after that and we're going to eliminate the lesser. There's some good things, unfortunately, we're going to have to eliminate because of the, uh, the urgency of the most important. So focus And the first thing we have to focus on is winning spiritual warfare. That is essential because there's all kinds of spiritual warfare going on around us. If you don't think there is, you don't, you haven't uh, looked around. All kinds of spiritual warfare. Um, In in the, we just came through the Christmas season. It's a wonderful, how many It's a Wonderful Life fans we got out there? Like, It's a Wonderful Life? If you like the color version, get out. Okay, the black and white version is the only one that is acceptable for people in Catalyst Christian Church. Okay, just letting you know. I'm kidding. Uh, But anyway, it starts off with a conversation between two angels, Joseph and Clarence. And Joseph says this. He says, a man down on earth needs our help. And Clarence asks, why? Is he sick? And Joseph says, worse, he's discouraged. 
Joseph and Clarence was talking about George Bailey, who's played by Jimmy Stewart. And I wonder how many of us that would apply to today. I wonder if there are angels in heaven having conversations about us today. There are people down on earth who need our help. Why are they sick? Worse. They're discouraged. They're up against some type of thing in life. Maybe a marriage is just not where it needs to be. Or their, their kids are just driving them crazy. They don't see a way out. Or you're in a hopeless situation at work. Or maybe a health problem. Or whatever it is. And you are discouraged. Well, I'm glad that you're here today. Because we're going to talk about that. In 2002, I just moved with my young family down to Tennessee and taken a youth ministry down there. And we had a, had a really uh, tight-knit group of youth ministers that met together once a month. Now, the big church, the big mega church, the, the one that everybody kind of talked about was Long Hollow Baptist Church. It was in, it was in the next city over, but it, but it was the big one. And the youth minister from Long Hollow Baptist would, was part of, our, uh, uh, part of our youth gathering. So it was a Thursday. We, we, I was actually hosting it at my church, and all the youth ministers were there, and we were just kind of talking about, you know, laughing about our kids, and, and the youth pastor at Long Hollow Baptist was being very quiet. Usually he's very out, extroverted, very outgoing, and, uh, and he was being very quiet, and he goes, uh, hey guys, I just need to tell you something. He goes, you guys are the first to know, uh, I just need your prayers. On Sunday, I'm, I'm actually, I'm resigning from youth ministry, and, and usually when you're talking to a youth minister and they're resigning, usually it means they're like going to be a senior minister or they're, they're moving to, and, and we're like, oh man, so, you know, so where are you going? He goes, no, you guys don't understand. I'm leaving the ministry. And we're like, well, why? I was like, please, not an adulterous affair. Please not, you know, because that's the kind of stuff you hear all the time. And he goes, no, 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 it's, not, it's none of that. He goes, I'm just not any good at ministry. I, 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 I'm just not any good. And the rest of us around the table were just dumbfounded because, I mean, there were hundreds of kids in his youth group, and, and he had all kinds of, of speaking gigs. He was, a, he was a national speaker, and he, I mean, he was what we thought was the, the epitome of a youth minister is, is what this guy was, and he was leaving because he didn't think he was good at it. And he goes, yeah, guys, I, I can't reach my kids. I'm wasting my time. My kids don't care. I can't, I haven't, I, I can't win them to Christ. I can't leave my adults. I mean, I get fired up and I invest in a kid and they just leave and they get on drugs. Uh, I, I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just wasting my time. I, 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 could better, I could better use my time as a car salesman. And I had never in my life seen somebody burn out so, so quickly and so completely. He was a man of his word. That Sunday he resigned and he left the ministry for good. He's never gone back. Um, and uh, that really just clued me in that it's very easy for us to assume that things are good in people's lives, you all. It is very easy for us to look at someone that is the, it looks like the paragon of success and realize the battle they're going through. It's very, it's very hard for us to see that. But I know, despite the facades we put up, there's a lot of discouragement out there, and it's hitting everyone. And so when you are facing discouragement, the, we go to the Word of God, and we see what, what they have to say, what, what has to say. I want everybody to turn to 2 Chronicles 20, verse 1. There's a story there that has a tremendous relevance for us today. 2 Chronicles 20. It's in the Old Testament. It's right after 1 Chronicles, for those of you all that went to Henry Clay. Okay. All right. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, my classmates. All right, here we go. Um, the first step, when you're facing discouragement, when you're facing discouragement, when, when life is crushing you, when Satan is whispering in your ear saying, you don't have what it takes, it's never going to get any better, it's always going to be this way, just give up and quit. Whenever those words enter your mind, this is what we do. There's a five-step process laid out right here in the Word of God for us to do. The first thing we do is we pray and fast. Second Chronicles 20, verse 1 through 3. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Meonites and the websites and everything came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Anybody name their kid Jehoshaphat? That's a, that's, a, that's a good name. This guy is a warrior. This guy is a stud, all right? He said, some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom and from the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already in Hazazon Tamar, that is in Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. So first thing, what did he do? Did he freak out? Did he lose his mind? Did he go see the size of it? No, the first thing he did was he went to the word of God. He went to God and he proclaimed a fast. Why do you think he did that? Why, why, why was that so important? Because Jehoshaphat knew something that we, a lot of us, don't. That the first step a Christian takes is to inquire of God and to pray and fast. The first, not the last. A lot of times that's our last result. That's our last resort is praying and fasting. We try to uh, call this person or try to uh, uh, pay this person off or, or, or whatever it is. No, no, the first thing we do as we go to the Lord in prayer and fasting. Now notice that nothing had happened yet. Remember that. It was the news that something was going to happen. Remember, the army hadn't attacked yet. It was just the news that an army was coming. Nothing had happened yet. See, Satan's first tactic is to try to destroy your faith and discourage you, to get you in despair before anything actually happens. How many of you all fallen for that? You've heard some news, and you've gotten discouraged in despair, and nothing has even happened yet, okay? How easy we are to discourage. How easy we are. See, bad news, unsettling, this might happen to you stuff. There was a study that was conducted by several psychologists. It was a team of psychologists about 10 years ago, and it was a study on worry and anxiety. And what they did, they had about 20,000 people, huge sample size, simply write down what they were worried about. And they did that every day. They had to do that. They, they wrote down every day what they were worried about, what they thought might happen for six months. And at the end of six months, they assembled it all together and they asked a simple question. How much of what you were worried about actually happened? Do you know what percentage it was? Eight percent. Ninety-two percent of the things that the people were worried would happen didn't happen. Only eight percent. Less than one in ten, and I see the worriers out there go, yeah, but that eight percent did. I see that. I see that. Ninety-two percent of what you worry about doesn't even happen. And how much do we allow ourselves to expend to spend time and energy and passion on things that haven't even happened yet, okay? They haven't even, nine, 92% of what you are worried about right now, what you're concerned about right now, will not happen, okay? So instead of 
taking all that energy and all that passion and all that time and, and everything into worry, go to, go to God, pray, and he says, fast, okay? See, the, the, the problem is, is that we go to everything but God. We go to the news. We go to friends, maybe. We go to our anxieties. We go to the past. We don't go to God. His first inclination was to take it straight to God because God's the only one that could do anything about it anyway, right? And what you're dealing with right now, God's the only one that can do about it, anything about it anyway. Just remember that, okay? I think he did this immediately for a reason. So what happens when you wait when you go to God? What happens when you don't go to God with your thoughts? What, do you, what, what happens? You get alone with your thoughts, right? And what happens when you get alone with your thoughts? You start spiraling down. You start spiraling down. And after two hours, you think the world's ending. How many of y'all have done the downward spiral alone with your thoughts? Absolutely. Yep, all of us have done that. Those of you that aren't raising your hand must have shoulder problems because everyone's done that. Okay, that's what we do. Okay, but see, Jehoshaphat didn't sit and think about it. He didn't stew over it. He didn't withdraw from people and play out of 10,000 different scenarios. No, he didn't do that. He took his thoughts captive, made them obedient to Christ, and went straight to God. And he added power to that prayer at the time by declaring a fast. Fasting is a spiritual discipline that is absent in the American church today. Fasting is something that has added power to prayer and focus to prayers uh, from, from the time uh, before Jesus. And yet it's almost completely disappeared in the American church today because we can't imagine missing a meal. We can't imagine sacrifice. We can't imagine denying ourselves. And so the, 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 one, of the, one of the reasons why the prayers of, of God's people are powerless and ineffective is that we have not made regular use of fasting. Okay? Here's the truth, you all. You can go months without food. You're not going to die if you miss food for a day or two or three. You're not going to. But it adds a focus and a power to your prayers that only people who have fasted know. So he goes, he goes to the God. He declares a nationwide fast. The first thing they do, some of us, we need, to, we need to just start there. Okay, but then we move on to step two. Come together as a community. Look what happens in, in verse four. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. They stood together as a nation. Now, this whole concept of I can be a Christian without being part of the church bugs me because this kind of stuff is so important. We come together as a community when we're worried, when we are discouraged. We need to come together as a church, as a community, and seek God together. Okay, More and more, I see the foolishness of trying to be a Christian apart from the church. You can't do it. You can't do it. Right, second step to fighting discouragement, they sought God together as a community. See, the, the church has to stand together. One of, we, here at Catalyst, we want two things uh, uh, from, from our people. We, 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 if you're a member of Catalyst Church, we expect you to give two time slots per week. One is in worship. We've got to be together in worship. There's no excuse That's, that, that will sound good to me unless you're sick or dead. Now, if you're sick or dead, um, I'll, I'll, I'll come to your funeral. Okay, But if you're sick, you can still participate uh, uh, online, if you're traveling online, there is no excuse whatsoever for missing Sunday, Sunday worship, none. We have to stand together before God against discouragement. There's nothing more encouraging than having people stand side by side with you when you are discouraged. 
truly believe there's power in people standing in unity before God. I really believe that. And they believe that too. So they prayed and they fasted. Then they came together and sought God. This vast army was coming in, about to destroy their homes, about to destroy their families, about to destroy their nation. This was serious business stuff here. They stood together. And the third, this is my favorite. I like this. And the first two steps are great and everything, but this is my favorite. Three, approach God in complete faith. Look at what they said for verse 5 through 12. Oh, to have a leader of a nation like this. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nation. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built it for a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. Verse 10, but now here are men from Ammon, uh, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came out of Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession that you gave us as an inheritance? Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Wow. I love the way he ended that prayer. Our God, we have no power to face this vast army. Look, look, Lord, what's coming against us is going to destroy us. We are up to our necks. We are up the creek without a paddle. We are powerless. If we had to fight this army in our own power, God, we're going under big time. I mean, it's, it's little bighorn here, Lord. It is, you know, it's, it's UK basketball season this year. You know, it's, it's bad, Lord. Okay? Without you, and then he says this, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on. What a prayer. What a statement of faith. I would love to hear Christians today make that prayer. Lord, the situation I'm facing in my marriage, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. The situation with my kids I, there's no way out. I'm dealing with my ex. I'm dealing with, with you know, the, the, the problem here. I'm dealing with this. Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you because you have shown yourself faithful. I love that. Several times in the Bible and in life, you all, that's what I've found, that God puts you in a situation where you're 100% gonna fail without him. Why would he do this? Why would he allow this vast army to come against his people and threaten him and destroy him? Why would he allow that? Why would he allow the things that you're dealing with in your life to hit you? Aren't you a faithful follower of his? Why, is he, why, why does he treat the, his followers so much worse than the people that hate him? Heard those questions. Check this out. If you think that God's goal for you is to have an easy life, is to have a trouble-free existence, then you would have a problem with God doing this. You would have a problem with God putting you in a situation where if, you, if he doesn't come through for you, you're up the creek. 
And far too often, Christians think that, that God is there to make my life good. And when life isn't good, God doesn't care. Or he doesn't exist. You know, a good day is when I get what I want. A bad day is when I don't. And God is good when I get what I want. And he's not existent or bad when I don't. Far too many Christians have that type of attitude towards God. But if you think that God's goal for you is radically different, if you think that God's goal for you is to have a rock-solid faith that will not shake in the hardest and most passionate of storms, then you get it. How do you learn a rock-solid faith in God? where you know that, that God will come through for you. Well, it's easy. One of the greatest demonstrations of faith in the Bible, and the greatest stories, even atheists and secular people that have never read the Bible know the story of David and Goliath. Here's a little shepherd boy, youngest of his brothers. Philistine armies over here, Israelite armies over here, Goliath, champion, nine to ten feet tall, walks out, Taunts the armies of Israel. Say, hey, send your best. Send them over here. Let's, no point in killing everybody. Send, send your best to fight me. Send your champion. And we'll fight. If I win, you're our slaves. If you win, we're your slaves. And that actually happened. The, 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 the armies back then believed that the outcome of the single combat was determined by the gods. And so they actually would go with that. That was a very serious thing. So David... Here's this, and he walks right out onto the battlefield, not even a hesitation. And people say, oh, man, that's amazing. That is just such great faith. Young people, go be like David. But what we don't understand is what had happened in the years prior. What had happened in the years prior. No one would do that. No, no boy would walk out to face a nine-foot giant. No one's that stupid. So why did David do this? Well, in the years prior, God had put David in situations that would cost him his life if God didn't come through. David said, I was tending sheep. One time a lion came out. I grabbed the lion by the hair and killed it. Then a bear came out and I killed it. I took the sheep out of the bear's paw and killed the bear. God delivered me from the mouth of the lion and the bear. He will deliver me from this Philistine too. See, what had happened? God had, David was sitting out there tending sheep. And a grizzly bear came out. Now, I don't know if you all know this or not, but a 2021 poll showed that 6% of Americans, most likely men, because we're that stupid, think they could beat a grizzly bear in a fight. Okay. These are also the 6% of people that don't wear motorcycle helmets when they were, you know. See, grizzly bears weigh up to 1,700 pounds and can be 10 feet tall. And there are 6% of people that think they could take one in a fight. Okay, so that is what David was looking at. And God put him in that situation because he was preparing David for the fight with Goliath. Ten years before, 12 years, we don't know how many years before, he was preparing David for the fight of his lifetime 
with a story that would be told 3,000 years after it happened. He was preparing him by sending a lion, by sending a bear, and showing that David could trust God. It could be that what you are in right now is a situation that you will fail in unless God comes through for you and he's got you there because he wants to show that you can trust him. He wants to show you that he's got it. He wants to develop your faith so that when the real battle comes in the future, you walk straight out onto the battlefield fully confident in what God has done for you because God has shown himself faithful in the past. See, guys, trust and faith looks at the person and, or, or looks at God or the person and says, I believe you. I trust you. I put my life into your hands because you have shown yourself faithful. You've shown yourself consistent, and I can put my faith and my life in your hands. That's what was going on with David. That's why he was able to walk out onto the battlefield without a fear and know the second he stepped out there that he was going to be victorious because God had been consistent and shown himself faithful in the past and he would continue to do it then and do it now. People, maybe right now what you are going through, what is discouraging you the most is God putting you in a situation that you can't handle because he wants to show you that he will come through for you. Okay? That is exactly what happens. They approach God in complete faith. Now, why didn't any of those other soldiers go out there to fight? Why didn't, why didn't any of the other soldiers who had much more experience than David, why didn't they walk out there? Because they had not been through his preparation. And what, what that means is that God is uniquely preparing you for the battle of the lifetime. Other people can't fight it. Only you can. They didn't have David's faith. David had been uniquely prepared by God for that moment. And I wonder if when God was tending the sheep and the lion and the bear came up, I wonder if he said those words of Jehoshaphat. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Lord, I'm facing a 10-foot, 1,700-pound bear, and I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And God showed himself faithful then, and he showed himself faithful with Goliath, and for the rest of his life showed himself faithful. And the same thing that you're going through right now, God is showing himself faithful, and in the future, he will be faithful as well, because that's God's character. So they say that. They say that to, to God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And then nothing happens. Hmm. No, no army of angels descends from heaven and wipes out the army. No, no uh, you know, lightning bolts from heaven go and, and zap them. Okay, nothing happens. Here's the truth, you all. God doesn't do that. At least I've never seen him do that. Um, don't base your encouragement or discouragement on the immediacy of God's response. Far too many Christians do that. They pray, and nothing happens in five, the first five, ten minutes. They're like, well, God, where are you? Well, hang on. Be patient. Believe me, God understands your timeline better than you. He'll answer when the time is right. I have learned that. A lot of you have learned that too. I've heard this wisely said, that God is rarely early, but he's never late. He's rarely early, but he's never late. And so he sends a prophet to speak to the people. Step four, after we preach God in complete faith, approach God in complete faith, 
Step four is we wait for God's answer. Second Chronicles 20, 15 through 17, the prophet said, he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, to all live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged for this, because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, Ziz, and that you will find them at the gorge of the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face him tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Okay, there are five things that, we, that God tells them here. Five things that he's telling you today, too. The first thing, he says this. He says, first one, control re- your reaction. He says, do not be afraid or discouraged. God, why would he say that? He's telling us to control our reaction. When we are discouraged, when we are dealing with discouragement, control your reaction. Control it. Don't let your mind run away. Control it. See, there are two separate things in life, y'all. It's what is happening and, how, and your reaction to it. And I found it's follow the 20-80 rule. Listen, 20-80 rule. Life is 20% what happens to you and 80% how you respond to it. That 20% a lot of times is not under your control. The 80% is... Control your reaction. The 20-80 rule. When you're facing a situation, 20% of, of what it is, how you're feeling at that moment, is what has happened to you, and 80% of it is your reaction to it. Okay? Remember that. That's why God says, do not be afraid or discouraged. That 80%, hey, control that, God is saying. Many times a reaction was happening is far worse than was actually happening. I've done that many times. So have you. If you base your decisions on that, you'll make the wrong decision every time. So first thing, you control your reaction. Second thing, he says this. This is my battle, not yours. This is God's answer. This is how God answers our discouragement. First of all, control your reaction. Second, this is my battle, not yours. What God says right now is, I love you. I'm fighting for you in ways you don't see. All right, I'm not sitting up there watching and scowling to see if you've got the faith watching you blow it. No, I'm not hanging you out to dry. This is my battle. Your job is to have faith and do what I tell you to do. My job is to win the battle. Don't try to be God. It doesn't work, y'all. Just letting you know. I don't know if you tried it. How many of y'all tried to be God and, and failed? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've tried to do that. I've tried to be the Holy Spirit. I can't do it. I'm not any good at it. God's a lot better at being God, so might as well let him, right? My battle, God says. Your job is to have faith and do what I tell you. My job is to win the battle. And the third thing he says this. So after, after telling us to control our reaction and then to remind us that the battle is his, the third thing is this. He gives us specific instructions to follow. And this is where most Christians falter. Right here. This is the point where, where you go one of two directions. People like, having the reaction, like hearing that the battle's God's, but the third step is where a lot of us drop off. Here's what, you, here's what he told you to do. Most of us, if we were honest with ourselves, situation you're facing right now, you know exactly what to do. You do. And if you don't, someone else in your life does, if you'd ask them. Most of us, if we were truly honest, know exactly what God wants us to do. Problem is, we don't do it. I cannot tell you how many times how many times couples have come to me talking about things that are wrong in their home or, and, 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 or, and it's so obvious what to do. Hey, y'all might want to stop cussing each other out. 
for starters. Y'all might want to stop the abusive language. Y'all might want to be nice to each other. I mean, that's a starting place, and they can't even do that or won't even do that. Okay? I can't tell you how many times people, as as a pastor, there's a clear path. It's like people come to me for advice on what to do, or they're discouraged and wondering what to do, and like there's this broad path, this level path with neon signs saying, God's will, this is what it is, walk this way. And they're like, ah, you know, I, I don't think so. And they're like, let's go way up this, climb this rocky, slippery crack, you know, full of, uh, full of potholes and pitfalls and everything. Let's go do that. And then they wonder why life is so hard. It's incredible how many people do not do the very thing that God tells them to do that would grant them victory. Okay. Many of us are good approaching God in faith, standing together before him, asking friends to pray. We do that well. When God gives us specific instructions to do, just don't do it. And as a pastor, that just kills me. Because here's what the word of God says to do. If you all would just do that, you would experience victory. And yet, all too often, it doesn't happen. I've talked with people all the time that are that way. But God knows that you must be an active participant in in his victories for you to have faith. And so he gives specific instructions for you to follow. And if you are facing a situation right now and you don't know what specific instructions are, come see me. We'll We'll sit down, you, me, and the Word of God. And find out exactly what it is God wants you to do. But it won't do you any good if you're not going to do it. Okay? Interesting. Then he, the, the fourth thing that he says, he reminds us again to control our reaction. He says, do not be afraid or discouraged. Interesting enough, that's the only thing he says twice, I think, because that's what we need to do. Control reaction. Remember the 2080 rule. And then the fifth thing he says, I am with you. In this passage, he says, I am with you. You are not walking through this alone. Amazing. Then step five. Well, after we've waited for his response, then five, we, we do what God tells you. Look what happens here in, ver- in verse 20 through 24. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, what did they do? They did exactly what God said to do, right? Right? Followed exactly. Okay, watch this. Jehovah stood and said, listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord. Come praise him for the splendor of his holiness as it went out to the head of Head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Verse 22, look what happens. As they begin to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Amnon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. And when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies laying on the ground. No one had escaped. God turned their opponents against each other. Because they set forward in faith. Had they stopped at any point there, they would have probably had to fight the battle. See, this is what God tells us. God had given them the victory. See, the vast army coming against them, people, was all a bluff. It was Satan's bluff to get Israel to leave the battle, to quit. And that's exactly what he's sending your way to, a bluff. And you walk the steps that God has for you, he gives you 
victory. See, Satan tried to get them to leave the battlefield. Look at the size of the army facing you. You don't have a chance. You don't have what it takes. You don't have what it, you, things will never change. Just give up. Now, people, you should listen to pastors when they're talking about discouragement because we are kings of it. I've been in the ministry for 23 years now, starting my 24th year in May. And I can honestly say I spent more time discouraged than encouraged. Probably well more than half of that time I've been so discouraged, just want to quit. If I've been in ministry 23 years starting, that's 12 years discouraged. If I added it all up, 12, 13, 15 years discouraged out of 23 Last year was probably the best year in Catalyst history, y'all. Amazing year. After coming through the pandemic and planting Elevate, where we sent uh, a a good portion of our church to Elevate to to plant a new church, God has rebuilt us, replenished our numbers. Last year was the best year of giving uh, in Catalyst history. We had more engagement. We sent two mission trips, uh, uh, three mission trips, two to Honduras, one to India. Last year, we had more engagement. Our community groups are back up and running, or we're starting two new ministries, all kinds of stuff. You'd think, looking at that, that this would be the most encouraging year. I was to the point of quitting last year several times. Hardly a Sunday goes by without some type of spiritual attack of discouragement. What really hurts, you guys, that's me personally. You got to tell me I can't, I don't have what it takes and this kind of thing all the time. But what really hurts you all, and I'm just letting you guys know, about the battle I have dealt with with discouragement is when Satan starts whispering to me about you all. No one's listening to you. I hear that. You're preaching to deaf ears. I hear that. They don't care about growing in faith. Second, they walk out of here, they'll just be the same people. You're wasting your time. They're lukewarm. Don't you know what the Bible says about church in the end times? They're lukewarm. They're disengaged. Why visit those people or invest in them? They're just going to leave within a couple years. Go to another church, probably trash you on the way out the door. I hear um, they're just part of the entire lukewarm American church. I hear it's a lost cause. Culture has won them over. They love everything but God. Satan whispers, am I talking about y'all? I hear no one's interested in faith anymore. No one cares about God anymore. That's so ancient. I hear that voice all the time. He talks about y'all behind your back. That's rude. And I've listened to that voice far more times than I care to admit, y'all. But I will say this, church. I'm still here. And I'm not going anywhere. Because God has shown himself to be faithful. We've been through the battle. And the discourager's voice is persistent, but it is nothing but a bluff. And I say we start calling him on it. He knows he cannot defeat God. In a pitched battle, God destroys Satan. And he also knows that he cannot stand against a Christian full of the Holy Spirit of God whose feet are planted on the solid rock of faith in Jesus Christ. He knows he can't defeat you. He knows he can't defeat God, so he tries to discourage you so you don't fight. 
That's what he tries to do. Because if you do fight, he loses every time. Remember that. Satan is not victorious against God. We win. So stay in the game. Remember that. You may be hearing these very words today. Pray, uh, you know, the, the, the ones that you don't have what it takes. It's over. It's hopeless. It's worthless. Just give up. You may be hearing those today, or you may be hearing those these week. This week, when you do, first, we pray and fast. We go straight to God. Second, we come together as a community. Call your pastor. Call your Christian friends. Call your community group. Tell them what's going on. Approach God in complete faith. Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Fourth, wait for God's answer. Don't jump the gun. And fifth, do what God tells you to do. And you do those things, God will give you the victory. I've seen it time and time and time again. Just like David had been delivered from the lion and the bear, he's also delivered from Goliath. Guys, what God has been faithful to you in the past, he will also be faithful to you in the future. Do what he says and experience the victory. Be encouraged today, church, because God is with us. God bless. We'll see you next Sunday.